Empire. Hello and welcome to another live stream edition of the John Carr Report. Do me a favor, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. You watch it on YouTube. Like button, subscribe button, you know the deal. You can always read my work on ESPN.com and you can find us on YouTube as part of Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. And as you can see, my pal Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders, is joining me to talk about a few changes. Just a couple things going on, Bram, and I think we can finally talk more about the possibilities going forward and how this organization can remake itself. And already some names have surfaced. What intrigues you most? What do you think about some of those names we've seen so far? Uh, let's see. Like, let me start from the beginning here. So I really like Josh Harris's press conference. I thought he hit a lot of the high notes. I mean, just th- think about this for a moment. Like, He's describing a scenario by which here's somebody who's extremely successful, who says, I need to surround myself with very smart people to help make the right decisions about running a football organization and think about the previous ownership and how that was just flatly not the case. (laughs) So it's just really, it was really refreshing to hear all of that. Um, You know, obviously they've cast a wide net. And I think they're purposeful in putting out there that they're open to the best and the brightest and they're not being secretive about it because they want to attract that. So, um, you know, let's see how this thing plays out. I think that you're going to hear about someone running the front office in the very near term, probably within a week, if I had to guess. And then the head coaching stuff is tough to know because a lot of the candidates are, are going to be in the playoffs right. starting this weekend. And, you know, it's likely that somebody who's going to be the head coach of this team is participating in the playoffs. So I, I have a feeling it would take a little while for that. Right. And, and I, you know, going back to the press conference, because I talked about that on the podcast yesterday, but I think it did really stick out to me with Harris's approach, but it's not, it's exactly what I expected from him. It's just that when you've covered an organization that ran things completely different for two decades plus, then it's it's a refreshing change, I'm sure, for the fans. And it's a notable one for if you're sitting in the in the media because it's very, very different. And it was Dan Snyder always wanted to prove or show that he was a football guy. The last thing anybody would describe him as as is a football guy. And I remember Bram, and this is going way back, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but if you remember, there was one time he was, there was an article about him in GQ or Washingtonian, I think it was. And he described himself as a guy's guy. I'm like, the last thing you are is that. But he thought he was a football guy and he wanted to prove it. Josh Harris isn't trying to prove it. What he wants to do is build a winner. Now, doesn't mean you're going to get every move right, but I think it's like he understands who he is what he knows and doesn't know and is reacting is going accordingly. So, you know, I guess with that, you have Bob Myers and and Rick Spielman in charge. What do you think about that pairing? Well, before I answer that question, you need to answer this. (laughs) And I was killing you about this the other day. Rick Spielman popped up on your podcast. What? Three weeks ago. Yeah. about that? Out of the blue. He's part of this advisory board. Not that he's not qualified for it, but. It felt like more of a coincidence to me than not. So one, do you think they listened to your podcast and hired him? And two, 
are you now part of the advisory board being that they're listening to you and taking <laughs> opinions and recommendations from you directly? Well, Bram, if they are, it's about damn time because I've had all the answers for years if they had just listened to me. So the, here's the funny thing about that. First of all, what I was really hoping is we asked when someone asked Josh Harris about like, how did you stick on like Rick Spielman? I was hoping he'd say, well, you know, I was listening to the John Kahn report and it struck me that he said, but unfortunately, I don't think that's what happened. I do think, I definitely think people there listen to it because I think this is a very, I think this ownership group is, is wants to know what's being talked about and discussed about the franchise and where is that information possibly coming from? Because I think they kind of felt like this was a rather leaky organization. So somebody listened to it probably now. And and I would love to say that, you know, he got it because of that I think I'm pretty sure now in hindsight that he knew at that time that he was probably coming here. And uh, what I found interesting is I remember it was when I asked somebody third team and it's a, you know, ex coaches and all that. And so I um, asked them if he, if they, if Rick would want to come on, because I just, I want to talk to somebody who had been in a GM role, what's important to you when you're looking at a job, et cetera. And so when they quick, kind of quickly agreed, I'm like, Oh, I wonder if he's angling for a position here, but it turns out, I think he already had it, or at least was certainly far along in discussions. Cause I know like Bob Myers, you know, my understanding is I think that was in the works for a little while. And there were, you know, there was talk or rumors about it for a little while that you find this out after the fact. But um, so I think they had this pairing in mind for probably a little bit. And I think it may have well been when, when he was on. So, but it was, it was, it was good insight. I will say that Bram. Yeah, it was. All right. So since, um, since you have their ear and they'll be listening to this later tonight after they conduct their first round of interviews, let's get to what Keith says here. If you too had a say, thank you for including me on who you would like to see heading up football operations and GM. So we'll start there. Football operations, GM, which is going to be the first hire. Uh, who are you eyeing? Well, I think the number one name is Adam Peters, the guy from San Francisco assistant GM out there has had a lot of influence in the decision-making out there. I know John Lynch has a title, does a lot of work, but he's kind of gotten some promotions and with each one, uh, Adam Peters is moving up. I think he, you, I think you start there. I think the, there are other ones that I would say I really like, like Ian Cunningham, I think has a lot to offer. He worked for some really good organizations, Philly and Baltimore. Will McClay from Dallas is a very considered very smart. Um, I think for him, it would be nice to get out of probably out of the Jones shadow because Jerry and Steven run that show. But Will McClay is the kind of guy he's, he's a definite talent finder. I think Glenn Cook from Cleveland done a nice job there, but I think you start with um, Adam Peters. I think that, and then I would go like, if you could somehow get Adam Peters and Ian Cunningham to be beneath him, I don't know that he would do that with the GM title, but um, I think that would be a really good pairing. So there's others, like there's some really good candidates at that spot, but I would start with Adam Peters. How about you? I it's, it's my opinion that it's his job to take if he wants it, it probably will come down to title and power. 
Um, right. But I, be, I, I, you know, listen, they have to go through a process. They should meet with everybody. It sounds like they're open-minded to a lot of different people and they want a varying amount of opinions from very successful people, Magic Johnson, Bob Myers, Rick Spielman, of course, the ownership group themselves to try to come to the right conclusion. And listen, once you go through the, that's why you have these interviews, you want to meet these people and see if they, you know, to give you a sense of who you should pick. But in my opinion, he is a clear front runner for this. Yeah. This team wants to emulate a few different organizations. It's very hard in the NFL in this cap era and in this time of free agency to have consistent success. And it is hard not to be envious of what San Francisco, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and to maybe a lesser degree Pittsburgh have done, you know, over this period of time. And to take somebody who's had that kind of experience at San Francisco in a place where they seemingly have a consistent turned over, extremely strong roster, very good culture. I hate using that word because that's been run through the mill around here. Clearly, they know what they're doing. Um, and so I think that having someone straight out of that organization feels right to me. Yes. And, you know, there's a couple of things with it, too. First of all, Bob Myers got to know him, sounds like, pretty well. When they were both in San Francisco with Myers as the GM of the of, or the you know with Golden State, and I think he was at the facility, the 49ers facility enough where they got to know each other. I think that helps, and you know just the familiarity with that helps. But I also think Bram that this is a guy that you know talking to people earlier in the year because you knew where this was going this year at a certain point, and talking to people earlier this year, like the feeling was, would he really agree to move because he yep. has a lot of power and say. In that organization, the fact that he's taken this interview is a pretty damn good sign for this group. Yeah. And I think if you can give them like John Lynch can be bumped up to this kind of title in San Francisco and he could get the GM title, but you might have a chance to come here and be even more. And, you know, he's kind of handled a lot of the, a lot of the GM type duties out there. So the fact that he's taking it is a, is a really good sign for this group. The other thing is to, you know, I wrote that story last week about um, how Josh Harris kind of comes to decisions and how he's pursued guys in the past that he really wants. Like when it was Daryl Morey or Doc Rivers, guys like that, he moves fast and aggressive. So if if Adam Peters that they want after going through these this first round, like, and I have a feeling that's what they're going to, this is just a gut feel, not a reporting feel, because they're being very secretive on it. Anything you're, any information you're seeing on this is not coming from them. So, you know, but having said that, like, if this is the guy they want, they're going to move hard and fast to get it done. And that's why, like, to your point earlier, I think this is something that somebody in that role, I think, would within a week is, is not certainly not far fetched at all. Yeah. And, you know, the, with the coach situation, we'll have to see. And we'll get to that in a minute. There's like one other thing that I think should be pointed out about this process. Like, it was clear to us that are around it a lot, it was clear to us that. Um, the separation of duties was going to occur. And, and Josh Harris made that very clear in the press conference. And Ron Rivera finally truth told, you know, at the last, you know, in his last press conference, when he knew what the writing on the wall was, but he had said it. It was the first time we heard someone publicly say they're going to split the duties. Not that this was a surprise to anybody. Well, knowing that going in and knowing whether Rivera made a case to keep his job as the head coach or not, but he was never going to hold the position of the, of the personnel chief any longer, no matter what, however the season played out, this process started earlier for them. Yes. You know, the idea of getting the new head coach, well, that's a little more complicated, especially if you want to get to somebody who is under contract, which is everybody. 
you know, short of Jim Harbaugh, if you wanted to talk to him in advance, I suppose you could have, because you don't have to ask for permission to do something like that, but the rest of them you do, and nobody's going to do it until it's permissible to do so. So the coaching search begins in earnest the other day. Um, But the front office part of this, this is weeks in a make in the making. Oh, definitely. I do believe that this will happen very, very quickly. And I think we know who they want unless you see if they can get that deal done. Right. And, you know, and I wanted to answer this question. Father Zaya said, let's say Adam Peters is head of football operations. Will he hire the GM or will he, or will he carry both titles? Mark May, he was with him in San Fran and May, um, will um, stay on because of that. Um, first of all, to answer the second one, I doubt it. I can't say for sure. I don't, you know, I don't, may, and I, I honestly, I don't know the answer. And I guess it would depend on the role. I would be surprised by that. I think they're going to want to, to bring in their own people. Um, so, and it just, I would always say, you know, just because they work together, have familiar, and I'm not just in general, there've been a lot of times in the past where there's, where people have worked together. And it's not always, you know, maybe not always a great thing. So I don't, but in this case, I don't know, but my, my sense would be they would want to, to, you know, the expectation there has been cleaning house, right? So I don't know that that would happen. As far as what, which titles would he hold, I think in an ideal situation, they'd have a president of football ops, a GM, and then the coach. Correct. But I think one thing that Harris seemed to go, and that's kind of what I've been told the structure would be. Right. Me too. Me too. But I think with an open mind to maybe you do it that way, like, you know, it, with the New Jersey Devils, Tom Fitzgerald has a president of hockey operations plus GM, but they also have Martin Brudeur who also has like a president of hockey ops title. They're like both executive, you know, or senior VP of hockey ops, whatever similar title, but Fitzgerald has that plus a GM. But I would, I would, I would kind of lean toward what you just said. Not a lean. It's what I've heard too, but there's an open mind if they wanted to have one, but I would expect a GM most likely. Yeah, I think unless someone really wows them in an interview, I think the first choice is Adam Peters. That's just my gut. Yes, my, that's that. my sense. That's, 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 that's my that would be my my that yeah. would be my my take. I say instead it, it of doesn't standing. mean he's going to take the job. So you know we'll see how this plays out. Right, but I do think Bram, like you're right, he may not take it. The fact that he's interviewing, he knows Bob Myers. I think that there's a that's really once you start doing that, I think you're kind of down the road a little bit. Um, and it's funny because. You know, one of the things when you look at this job and there's obviously other jobs open for whether it's, you know, general managers or, or coaches, I still think, you know, the more I hear from other people, this is a really, really good job. And you have a chance like to to rebuild a historic organization with a fan base desperate to embrace them again. And John, the bar is the bar is really low here, it, like, but the, you know, but the you, potential. So then you have a new owner with the resources and then you have all the picks and you have the money. It's a really, really good situation. So I could see if you're going to leave a really good organization like the 49ers, where you have a lot of say and input and you're from that area it better be for something where you think it's like, this is just too good to pass up. You can be bronzed here. This is this is an opening for the next Joe Gibbs, the next Bobby Bethard. Like yeah. it's just been so long, people are starved. This ownership group, if you're paying attention to them, they're living it and breathing it, and they love it. Um, it's not that Dan Snyder didn't, but like these guys do, 
They clearly are committed to doing literally to try to make this a winner. And they're thinking about it thoroughly. And they're thinking about it, I think, collectively. And I think they're thinking about it intimately. And that's what I like to hear about this. Like, no one's doing any rash moves. Um, they promised Ron Rivera a year. They gave it to him. They could have easily have gotten very itchy about what was going on with the way that the season was going. It's a team that went one and seven at home and got boat raced by a number of teams, some of which aren't even in the playoffs at home. It was an embarrassing home season for them. And they stayed the course. They did what they promised. And it's a steady hand. It's nice to have a steady hand. It's nice to have thoughtful people again. Um, it's nice to have people who are surrounding themselves with thought leaders making these decisions. And there is a real opportunity here. And then, you know, there's, it's an open roster. John, there's 26 guys who are not under contract. You're going to have a blank slate. You got the number two pick, which I'll get to in a minute as to why I think it's going to be a specific side of the coach, side of the ball coach. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers can bet just five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. The crown is yours gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources and you do have a lot of cap room and the one thing that i think like that i think i want to point out about the cap room thing they have a lot of it yes but keep in mind that literally half the roster is not under contract so there are a lot of players that need to fill out the roster and they're not all going to be minimum right great players. point so you have to understand here that like, yes, they have a lot of cap room, but they don't have a lot of cap room with a full roster where they can go shopping for a couple of guys to take them over the top. They've got a full roster to fill out here. And so that's going to eat up a lot of it. I think people need to have an understanding of that because they keep hearing 90 million in cap space. Yeah, because they have 26 guys under contract. <laughs> like no, no there's that much cap space. They, they, they're going to have to yeah. fill out here. That That's a good point. And that like, I don't expect them to be these crazy spenders and free agency. I think because of that, you know, and I also, I also think there's a couple of things too, Bram. One, he talks about rapid, rapid, but thorough approach to the, to the, to this um, search, but also, you know, while you want to win quickly, as he said, sometimes you win quick, you know, sometimes you try to win quickly and it just goes bad. That's paraphrasing, but it's true. Like if you try to take shortcuts and how you build something, there might be some short-term success and long-term pain, as we've seen that here over the years. The other thing I want to point out, too, this is something that may not matter to a lot of people, but I think if you're if you're if you want to know who like who's in charge here and how they operate, Ron Rivera was in that building for multiple hours after he was let go. Now, some of that was cleaning out his office. Some of that was also going around and talking to people. Josh Harris was more than okay with him sticking around as long as he needed to stick around there. 
And I think it's the way this ended was, you know, says a lot to me about how they treated him and how, you know, you treat with respect and all that. But I think it bodes well for how they treat employees. And it's so dramatically different than what it had been for a long time. But I think that sort of humanistic touch, not that everything is perfect or whatever, but I do think like the way they approached and treated Rivera throughout this situation, it was not going well. They did not want to fire him during it because they gave him his word. They gave the word to others as well that they wouldn't do that. But I also think, as he said, there's no benefit, but it's just the way they treated him up through the end that I think it's it speaks highly to, I think, who, you know, I think if you're working somewhere, you want to work in a situation like that. Yeah, on that point, um, and I was, I was talking about this on my radio show a lot, you know, in thinking about just hearing them speak, because it was the first time he really, they now are on the clock. Right. Know, they are. To, to actually start to do the things outside of like, we tried to improve the stadium. We are talking to politicians about a new stadium and all that stuff and, and all those things that are going on that had been going on. This is the first time they're, they're putting their fingers on the scales of the football team. And, you know, let's see how they work. Um, you know, for a long time throughout, I, I've been working in and around the organization and working for them for a very long time. And the lack of trust in the building, um, the undermining of people <laughs> through the years. It's just, I don't know how you that can went be, on. I don't know how you can be successful that way. Um, and in anything, and, and you know, I loved the team. I loved working for them. I never felt like people were, you know, undermining me, but I also wasn't in a position where I had any kind of real power. And I just watched this. And it's so funny when you talk about like, you'd have all the answers because you've covered it for so long. Here's what I know in my years of being in and around this organization. I may not know exactly what the right calls are, but I know what the wrong ones are because I've yes. lived them. I've seen them. I've seen the red flags. I've seen it over and over and over. And if this group, if the first thing they do this year is they get people in this, start trusting each other, that start working together, that start reminding each other that we're on the same team and we're going in the same direction, like that is going to be a massive impact no matter what the roster looks like and how they move forward. Because the truth is right now, I can't project whether they're going to be good on the field or not until I see their roster and it's right. completely incomplete and a blank slate. And I don't think it's fair for any GM or coach or ownership group to put a team out there that's going to be competing overnight until we can see what they do. But if they start next year where there's this kind of feeling of everybody's working together and not against one another and distrusting the people that are next to one another, they'll have achieved a tremendous amount and make a humongous difference from what it's been over the last 20 plus years. Oh yeah. And and it makes a huge difference. And you know, people, people would notice it when they came here to work like coaches or whatever, just how the building was. And I think it would surprise them how miserable some people were for a long time and it rubs off. And it's, a, it's like out there, it's a small building. It rubs off on other people and players feel it. Everybody feels it. And it becomes very, it was toxic and bad. So, you know, I think you're right. Like if you, but that's why I say, I bring that up is, you know, there's a long way to go to see like, is this a great ownership group or not? But we know that there's a dramatic difference in what it was like. And I think if you had to say, which approach typically wins, 
It ain't the last one from 24 years. I can tell you that because they never won. And it was just, it was a, they treated people poorly. You know that. And, you know, I saw that from many, many people and, um, you know, we, we, you know, for year for decades. And that's why I bring up the example with Rivera, because it was a day where they could have said, Hey, get your stuff and get out. You're done. Um, but they didn't, he was let go around 820. Bram, he was let go around 820. It was, he was still there around, he left around two o'clock and the way they did it, they gave him the time in the room to do it as at his pace and to talk to the people he needed to. And I just think that bodes well for people who work there. So I do want to answer this question, Bram, um, from Joshua. Do we think it's possible? And we kind of talked about us retained, but made VP of player personnel. I don't, I, I would be surprised by that. I don't know what the track record for the player personnel <laughs> hasn't been great. So I don't know why that would be a necessary move. But again, maybe they retain them, but I just don't know why, you know, in that role. But um, then Tony DeLeo, wouldn't Peters want Slowick? Possibly. He would certainly know him very well. Again, just, just knowing them doesn't automatically mean they're going to want to hire them. We don't know. I don't know what he thinks of him as a leader, as a, as a you know, whatever. I mean, he's clearly done a good job. Slowick's done a nice job. But I also think, you know, Ben Johnson's going to be a name high on everybody's list. And that guy's got a longer list of um, jobs that he's had in the NFL and positions that he's coached. And, you know, so it could be that guy, but, but yes, the, the familiarity will certainly help make a decision with if, if it is yeah. indeed Peters on, on the coach too. Like, so I'm open to either side of the ball, but here's where I'm leaning on this. And and I think Ben Johnson's going to be at the top of their list, you know, yeah. and we'll see, but I think there's going to be a bidding war for him. So we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. I think there's going to be a number of teams that are going to try to hire him. Um, this is how I kind of feel about it. I'm also very interested in, in Mike McDonald from the Ravens. Um, yeah. I'm very interested in that, but here's what I think. They've got the number two pick. They're going to take a quarterback, John. I, I don't even need to know who, you know, who the, <laughs> who the next group is Th that decision's easy here. I mean, there's, there's too many good options at the top of the draft where you don't even have to trade. And if the bears are going to take Caleb Williams and they are open to trading for him, I guess maybe if you fall in love with them, we can have that conversation because they go from what two to one to two. And that's an interesting move for them because they can get whoever they want and get assets. But if that's not the fall in love thing, you're turning over to an offensive coach and saying, are you in love with this quarterback? We can get him. And I, I really think that that's going to matter here. And yeah. I, so my gut tells me that the right direction is to pick somebody on the offensive side of the ball. But at the same time, when they say, we just want to get the best talent in here, I believe them. And if they believe the best talent is a defensive coach, I'll believe them. And we'll find out when they get here. Well, you know, what's interesting, Bram, is five of the seven names we know that they've requested interviews for on defense yeah and if you go heavy on the analytics which they are and that's you know the the football side will be set up with a, a, a strong emphasis on that and the key there is to be aligned if you're not aligned with it it's going to fail but having said that like again five of the seven are in defense whether and it's mcdonald it's raheem morris who did yeah. spend some time on offense it's dan quinn it's it's um you know uh gosh i'm dropping i'm forgetting some of the other names already but it is, you know, that's, to me, I was surprised um, by that. Aaron Glenn, uh, Anthony Weaver. So though I'm surprised by that. 
and so to your point, if you, first of all, the number one thing you have to get is a strong leader, somebody who's going to, you know, turn, you know, John Harbaugh was, is not a play caller, you, you know, um, so you can get guys, Mike Tomlin, defensive guy. So you can get guys like that, right. That aren't an offensive guy, but you better have a damn good plan for the quarterback, because if you're drafting a young quarterback and you don't have a good plan on offense, okay, let's say you bring in coordinator X. Well, if this guy does well, look at Bobby Sloak in Houston. D'Amico Ryans is going to face a choice, whether it's this year or next offseason, where he's going to have to replace Bobby Sloak if it continues to progress. Then what do you do? So I'll look at Dan Quinn and what happened to him in Atlanta. And I've heard good things about Dan Quinn. I think it's going to be mixed on him, but I've heard some I know people who have worked for him who really, really like him. One person said he's as good as, at creating a standard for an organization as he had worked for. So there's a lot of things with him. But where he started to fail is you have Kyle and his staff, Super Bowl. They have Sarkeesian after that. They're still really good. But each time somebody leaves, it's harder to find that replacement. That's a trouble. Now, that's one of the concerns is you better have a good succession plan in case. But if you're an offensive coach, Bram, and I agree with you, like, if you're an offensive-minded guy, you're going to develop something around them. But this is one thing, again, when you talk to some coaches, should they be a play caller as well? Because one of the things, and this is what another coach told me today, that you know when you have an offensive-minded head coach and they're busy being a coordinator as well, they don't always oversee the entire team. So, like, for instance, when Jay Gruden was here, I remember talking to him a lot about, you know, He's heavy on the offensive side, obviously. And then there would be things going wrong on defense, but he couldn't address them because he's too busy over here. So issues that maybe he could have helped correct, like maybe the kind of blitzes you're running, those kind of things. He really didn't do any of that or couldn't because he was too busy doing that. Just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. I I, I feel like that because I'm – I, I would be surprised if this team doesn't take a quarterback at number two. That they're going to that, that's what they're going to do. That the head coach is going to be offensive minded. That that's what I think is going to happen here. That if you're going to get the best and the brightest from that side of the ball, that that's because for that reason, that that's what you're going to do. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out that I thought was really great, like regardless of their interest level in Dan Quinn. And I have a gut feeling that Dallas is going to do something to prevent him from leaving, frankly, in including the possibility of replacing McCarthy with him. I think that that's, I don't think that's off the table, honestly, like Dan Quinn coming in here, the personnel chief with the Cowboys, personnel chief of the Eagles. These are the two teams you're chasing right now. These are the two teams that have built the best rosters in your division. These are the two teams that seem to have sustainable rosters. I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia. That is maybe the biggest storyline in the NFL that they've cratered the way they've cratered with no reasonable excuse for the way that they've kind of collapsed during the season. So that'll be interesting story to hear when their season's over. Um, but I want to pick the brains of those two teams. That's who you're chasing. So whether you're hiring these people or not, get them in the room. Let's find out how they're thinking. Oh, a thousand percent. I think that's a great, great way to do it because I'd also be curious to talk to people in the organization and the division about how they view this organization. And you can learn from that too. Those are fact-finding missions as well. So this is Juan wants to know, is Kyle Smith on the radar as good as Peters? Knows the organization, probably scouts he worked with on the team. I don't know if he's as good as Peters or not. I think Peters, you know, I have a, I've heard he's really good. Um, I know Kyle Smith is really good. I know when, there, when he was here and in charge of the draft, it was pretty good. 
And I think he's done a nice job as probably the primary personnel guy in Atlanta of rebuilding that roster with the exception of quarterback. So, but I have not heard his name on as being on the radar. Um, he has a good, he had a good situation in Atlanta. I don't know where that's going to go. Um, I think you're working for an owner who is desperate to win before, you know, he's very old and I think their roster is pretty good again, except for quarterback, kind of a big deal. Um, but I don't know, like for, I have not heard Kyle's name yet mentioned. Um, so I really couldn't say that he's on the radar. I don't, but I just haven't heard it mentioned. Uh, all right, here's one for you. And this is, was premature, but it's worth asking because of the way the season went and, and things that he said publicly. What do you see happening with John Allen this offseason? That's a good question. I think that's going to be a very big topic this offseason. Listen, I actually had somebody in the organization a few weeks ago saying that they should just trade him. And because mainly because the contract is structured, you can it's it's a favorable team contract. I do believe that he is going to want to renegotiate to get some guaranteed money in the future. And I don't blame him. The feeling that my understanding is that, you know, they've, his side felt he signed a very team friendly deal with the idea that when it was get to this point, the organization would do something for him. Well, this is a different organization. And it's funny because even Sam Cosby said next year, it's going to feel like he's joined a new team because of how many changes there are. So they don't owe him anything. I also wonder Bram too, if you're coming in and you look at it and you can say, um, when do you think this team will be good? And what level of play will John Allen be at that point, do you think? So I think I could I could definitely see because I could see them coming in and certainly exploring that possibility. I mean, you know, so I it would not shock me at all. How about you? So um to your point about his contract, uh, it is at the point right now where um, you make a choice here. You either renegotiate and lower his cap hit, make him happy by giving him guaranteed money, or you move on from him. That That's right. the reality of where his contract is right now. Um, that is not the case with Terry McLaurin. And not that I'm suggesting, no. but Terry McLaurin's deal is kind of unmovable right now. Not that I'm even suggesting for a second anybody would want to do anything about it, but that's not where we are in terms contractually of what we're talking about. Allen's is. And so that's why it's on the table here. Secondarily, Listen, he he was different this year. He made a lot of public proclamations, including one specifically that got a lot of play where he went on with the junkies and said, I a thousand percent think about going somewhere else. I did not hear his interview this morning. I read the quotes and it probably I, it always matters to me to hear it for context of how he said something. But it sounds like he walked back some of the I want yeah. out of here and seems more open to the idea of I want to hear what the new. GM, coach, yeah. whoever that may be, has to say, but he liked what Josh Harris had to say, and we'll see. But he has made it clear he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. So part of this is going to be, do you want to be here? And he needs to figure that out. After all After all the dust settles here, do you want to be here? And if you don't, we'll accommodate a trade. Um, but if you do, you know, like, then we need to talk about your contract and how to make that work. And then lastly, I need to know what happened to him this year. Uh, he was not the same player. I know he was dealing with plantar fasciitis in the summer into the early part of the season. I know his knee was bothering him late and throughout the year. So I think he was injured. I think he played marginalized for the majority of the year. But he was not the same impact player that he typically has been and we've grown accustomed to. So I need to know where he is physically, what he has left to give, and where his desires are. 
And all of that is needs to be answered to me before I can give you really any kind of answer of how I think Washington as a team should proceed with him. Right. And I, there's a couple of things I would add to that. First of all, even shortly after with his first comments, to the junkies, someone else had told me that's very, you know, that knows him very well. It's like, he's not looking to leave, but it was one of those things when, you know, Seattle calls at the deadline and says, Hey, you know, they want to trade for him. I think it got him thinking like, Oh, is there life beyond Ashburn? He's from here. He wants to see it win here. It did. It, it, it mattered to him a ton what he saw at the Josh Harris press conference in July at FedEx field, the excitement that was there. He wants to be a part of that. So I do believe that he would, that he wants to stay. And I do think like, even if it's part of a rebuild, if, if, if it looks like you're, you know what, it's going to pay off in a couple of years, I think he'd want to stay. But what I would say too, Bram, I don't, you know, and I don't know this for anything is we don't even know who's going to be making the decision. Is it necessarily up to him? Would it be up to him? That right. I don't know because, right. again, you might look at it if you're Adam Peters, Ian Cunningham, whomever comes in here in that role, and you can look and say, like, listen, we saw whether or not, however they interpret his play this year, if they felt like there was a decline, and then you look at the contract and you look at, you know, like his age and where you think, how long you think this is going to take. And would you rather have the assets now or would you rather have John Allen for the next few years? So I think there's going to be a lot to, to, to yeah. um, parcel out with that. It's not, you know, I don't think it's a slam dunk. Oh, you got to do this. I think there's a lot of things to consider before we get to that point. But I do yeah, think, I, I do think it's going to be a discussion, right? No doubt. I mean, I, he's at the time in his contract where you'd have it anyway, yeah. no matter who's in yeah. charge. And so, and that's just the business cycle. And he knows that. Um, he was so frustrated though this year. And I mean, it wasn't just the, the couple of times he said things publicly. I mean, it happened multiple times and it was, a, it was really unusual, actually, the amount of frustration that he, that he really expressed this year. And it started very early and it was noticeable. So let's find, you know, listen, the season's over. It's a lost season. He's going to take some time off. They need to, you know, circle the wagons, figure out who's in charge of all of this. But it is something that's going to come up, and and I can't really project which way it's going to go. But I, I do, I think we need to revisit with him after he has some time to think about it. Does he want to be here? And if he does, then we can start the conversation of okay, what are we going to do about it? So Frank says a comment, but it's going to lead to a discussion, not a quote, no, not a question. Safe to say Carson Taylor had been vindicated, was never the QBs, it was always Ron. I like to see what a young staff like McVay, like a McVay does with Sam. Well, so there's a couple of things like that. First of all, it, there, was, there was definitely some on the quarterbacks. It wasn't just like, I don't know how those guys had been vindicated. I think to your point, they were missing things. And I would absolutely agree with that. Like we know, to me, a big failure here. And we've talked about this every year, Bram, it seems the offensive line. And, um, and I think, you know, that they never built the line that they needed with some of these quarterbacks. And then I think, you know, quarterback play was, has not been great for a while. So I'm not going to say that they were vindicated, but I do think what was highlighted, Frank, was the need to build a stronger offense with the line, with the play calling. And I felt like, you know, first of all, if you get a young staff, they're taking a quarterback, like, there's no reason not to. You're going to take a guy like even if it's if it's Drake May, who Ben Johnson knows from Carolina. And by the way, here's another connection: is Rick Spielman's brother works for the Lions. 
can kind of maybe give Rick Spielman a bit of intel on, on, on Ben Johnson. Anyways, if you see Drake may as having this higher ceiling, which every, which anybody I talked to would say he does, you're going to take that guy. It starts to clock over. You get five years of control and a better salary financially. It's just, it's, it, it makes a ton of sense. So, so would you like to see a young guy with him? Yes, you would. And I do think Frank, to your point or to your, yeah, to your point, yes, it could have been better. And again, line play calling. And as someone else pointed out, they kind of, you know, they kept saying that it was good for Sam's development to drop back and throw so much. And I just, I disagree. I, I think it was, it hurt him because you needed to be balanced to some level. It didn't have to be 50, 50, but to some level, you had to have more of a, a balance to help a quarterback and put him in better spots and not put it all on his shoulders. You know, we've, we've been on for a while. This conversation, John, we could have this conversation for an hour. Yes, we could. Do you have, all right, let's finish on that then, Bram. What are your two cents on that? Uh, It's a lot. One, Carson Wentz uh, did not get picked up until the middle of December by the Rams because they needed a backup. So I don't know how he's been vindicated. He hasn't been playing for anybody else. And Taylor Heineke and his team are not in the playoffs. He did not win a job whether he was in a real competition. Taylor was better here. God, who knows? And I mean, and trust me, I'm the biggest fan of that guy on earth. (laughs) I loved what he did here. Uh, But that is not, neither one of those guys ended up being high-end quarterback play for them. So I don't think anybody's vindicated in all of that. I mean, like the decision to get Wentz to me remains one of the bigger mistakes that occurred for this team throughout the tenure of Ron Rivera um, because it it did not work out. um, And it was predictable that it wasn't going to work out with the way that he was playing, not his personality, just the way he had been playing the last couple of years coming into it. Um, and as far as like the EB thing goes, honestly, that's a long conversation. Like there's a big part of me that goes, I, I don't know why they were so pass heavy. I mean, the team even started saying some of this. I don't think it was collaborative enough with the players, so, but on the other side of that, I will defend the EB in that it's not like this group had really done much in years offensively and they needed more accountability and they demanded it. And some of them recoiled from it before it ever got started. So I think there's a there's a push and pull there. I think Evie's a very good coach. I think he's a very demanding coach. And I kind of knew this, that this was going to be a push and pull. Did not go very well. The message didn't go well. I think Rivera's mistake was he didn't intervene quicker and become the lead voice in the room again. I think he ceded way too much power away and yeah. never really put his hands back on the wheel. And that was a problem. And as far as Sam goes, I agree. I think he was thrown to the fire. I don't like the setup for him. I don't. I don't, I don't know how throwing that much made a lot of sense. I think one of their best assets is Brian Robinson. How he was underutilized to the degree he was, I never understood Great. that at all. And, you know, there was some self-scouting that needed to happen. It started early, John, man. I red flagged it early. It was in the Bills game. Like, the first game there, those guys were standing exactly where Sam was going to throw the ball. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I, again, I would always say it to that literally one. Literally standing where they're going to throw the ball. And it but, occurred, a lot of these interceptions, some of it was this offense was very predictable. And these guys knew exactly where Sam was going to put the ball. And I, so I felt for him. He got beat up. He was in what turned out to be a predictable offense. And, you know, unfortunately, I think he threw the ball way too much. And I think his confidence obviously got shaken by the middle of the year. Right. And I would say, like, even in that Bills game, the problem I have, and we've talked about this, like, they dropped into a basic Tampa two with a linebacker drops to an area and he didn't see the linebacker. So it was as much, it was also as much about like him not seeing the field the right way and seeing the coverage and then throwing to an area where, you know, you're all they're doing is they're dropping to their spots and he didn't recognize that. Yes. But I would say too, the one thing is 
even with um, uh, one of the seeding the power, that was a big deal for a lot of players with Rivera. Like they felt like the first few years, it was really good that, you know, they, they liked the cult. I'm so I'm going to, we got to retire the word culture, but they liked how it was for the first few years. And then last this past year that they didn't feel like he was the same guy for them. And because he had given so yes. much power to the enemy and they couldn't go to him the way they had in some other situations. Um, I would also say Taylor Heineke played better here than he did in Atlanta. Yes, so, you know, and so I don't know about that. And then the last thing is you go back to the Wentz thing. It was like, I know this for a fact, like going into that whole period, there were definitely people who would say they're going to end up with Mitch Trubisky and then draft a quarterback. And, um, then like people close to like Trubisky was saying that, and then it flipped late that they went after Carson because the owner did not want to go after Mitch Trubisky and on a young now you can say maybe in that case, like, it's not like Mitch Trubisky went out and did great, but the point is it went a different way than what they had hoped it would. Um, and that's how they ended up with Wentz. And then there was pressure to get it done. And they, they, they had to get it done by a certain time, and the Colts held them to their feet to the fire and got two third-round picks. Like, those kind of days are done. They're going to make mistakes, but you're not going to have an owner who's Look, stepping his foot in there um, and saying, this is what you need to do. Everybody makes mistakes. I mean, this guy yes. that we're touting is the next head of the operation is in San Francisco who gave up three first-round picks for Trey Lance who isn't on that team anymore. So right. everybody, everybody well, makes mistakes. Play, hey, no. Graham, if they, he can just blame it on John Lynch and then move yeah, on. Yeah. Oh, that is on Rivera because, like, it's funny that you know he had this tenure, and because things happened so fast, we just turned the page. You know, we're like talking about literally everything else. Like, there are just there are two things because I, I, you know, he's such a high character guy, and I was really rooting for him all along. I wanted, I wanted him to win, but this past year, like, the mistake, in my opinion, was he just put too much power in the other people's hands. And when his players came back to him and said, we need you to intervene on our behalf a little bit. I don't think he did enough of it. No, and he did not really what, what his real, you know, like I think talent is, is that he's a motivator and guys play for him. They play really hard for him. And it was so telling that typically in October and November, when this team, it becomes Rivera time and this team steals itself and, beats really good teams and is in every game and it's like tough they're a tough out that didn't happen this year no because his voice wasn't prominent enough Correct. in the room right. from the get-go agreed a thousand percent agree players multiple players noticed that and i think it was one of the down one of the downfalls of the season yeah. last thing here and i do want to address this real quick is why he's worried Juan is worried that peters wouldn't be here for long Where's he going to go? If you're the head of, if you're the president of football ops, like, first of all, he's not here yet. But secondly, if you have that title, you're, unless you're running the organization, unless you're the owner, you're not going to have more power. Like that's a, that's a really long time job for him. Like, I don't know where is he going to go to top that title? If that's what you have for anybody who's got that. So anyways, right, Bram. No, I, I'm not. I don't worry about I, that. We don't have to go on there. I just thought it was funny. He's in a like, minor league franchise, and he's then now going to go to the major league one. Like if he comes yeah, here, no, gets the title and all the job security, and it works, he'll he'll be here for as long yeah, as he. Wants yeah, to. if he's not here long, it's because it failed, right. not because like where you're going. If you're not going anywhere bigger than a president of football operations, 
unless you just screw up. So anyways, long time to discuss that, Bram. Thanks to everybody for tuning in and for joining us and some good questions some comments. And there's a lot to look forward to for you guys as we move forward. And we're going to be, I'm going to be doing shows just about every day, just throughout this, because there's a lot to discuss and there's going to be a lot to discuss on the football field, which makes it very unique in this off season. And it's a welcome change for all of us. Bram, thanks for joining me. Thanks everybody else. I'll be back Thursday morning with another podcast. I'll talk to you next time.